0: Hey, welcome everybody. This is the Seasons of Magic, and we're really talking about this because we are coming up on a big cross-quarter day, which is Lunasa, um, and it's celebrated all over the world as totally different things, but it's the first of the harvest festivals in the Celtic tradition, which is what I am mostly focused on, um, because I'm mostly Celtic. And so when I'm practicing in my own life these are the things that I try to do and connect to my own ancestry but what I'm going to teach you guys today is the main rhythm of the year why we do what we do when we do it how to connect to what you need to connect to and how to incorporate things that may have been lost because the truth is is that as we um, have gone through many seasons of colonization throughout the last you know However, many thousands of years we've been going through it, and as different villages compare notes, and as as people move around the globe, things mishmash together, and things get lost, and things fall away. And so, in this, some of us have been talking privately. Like, how do you really know? Because you can't always do a Google search. You can't always find it in a book. Sometimes you really have to dig into your intuition. So. Some considerations as you get into this rhythm of the year, rhythm of the seasons, is to just recognize off the bat that almost all traditions have been colonized in some way. Meaning, not not even to put it into the sphere of like an outsider coming in, but literally as um, some traditions have are lost to modern. Um, conveniences, right? And so as straight up colonies show up, right? And cities and industrialization, you lose certain parts of the traditions and the customs. And so as you're losing these things, you're you're still trying to fit them in wherever they may fit. And that can sometimes create a really weird hodgepodge kind of celebration. So when you see certain cities celebrating things in a certain way, and you think it is a little bit out of sorts, there's usually a reason for it. Or it's why some gods and goddesses will have their own festival day and others are totally forgotten. It's really because what's easiest and what's the um, most socially acceptable thing to celebrate at that time and how can you kind of mix them together. Religions integrated many of the custom days. And so there's a large amount of Catholicism in traditions and cultures around the world where they have huge feast days that sort of make zero sense whatsoever and it's because they have just absorbed whatever cultural celebration was there oh my lovely lady that lady gets me every time uh (laughs) but so I think what I was saying, remind me if I'm wrong, but that we definitely have like a weird hodgepodge sometimes of celebrations where you will, um, there'll be like a celebration of a saint and the saints like not even from there and their birthday was not that season and they didn't die in that season and they weren't sainted in that season, but okay, right? But like maybe their name is similar to a local god or goddess or somebody special, or um, oftentimes the associations of that saint are similar to an association, right? Like St. Bridget um, is one that is really commonly mishmashed, right? And when you get um, Bridget out of the, the religion, she's kind of wild, right? But And so I feel like the saint also is wild, right? They've, they've impacted each other. So there there's cool things to dig into and important. What is most important and really, really, really um, like you can't forget to, to not separate it is that your ancestors did both at some point. So your more recent ancestors celebrated these mish- like mashups, right. And the more ancient ancestors probably did not. And so you want to find a balance in not skipping steps, clearing any sort of hooks and cords that you might have to a religion that you have maybe left or that you have changed. You may still be a Christian, but not a Catholic or, you know, finding your way into an integration with your ancestors Doesn't have to mean that you believe the same as your ancestors, but maybe you do speak a little bit of their language when you want to connect to them, right? And so this can get important um, when you set up altars, right? So you want to, if you're, I'm just going to use my example, right? So my birth mother, as she's showing back up in my life with different things, like finding my brother and such, she was a devout Catholic. And so I have been using some Catholic imagery whenever I feel like she's around or I want to include her, it feels right. And so the same thing goes when you're working with the seasons. When I lived in Tucson, the seasons look nothing like Celtic seasons, like at at all, but you can find a way to honor both. So we would honor, and I'll talk about that at the very end, but we would honor somehow my ancestral roots, and also where my feet were. So that's the kind of important part. You want to take both into it, the culture you're born in, the culture of your ancestors and what your ancestors actually did. So it's, it's kind of multifaceted and you don't want to move too far away from any of them because it's like anything else where the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? The connection to the earth is the most important part when you're talking about the seasonal, it's, Within whatever belief network you have, this is the creation in which we are living in now. We've chosen it for a reason, right? So we're here to find gratitude and really moving with the rhythm of it can help with that. And so the first step in working with the seasons is the agricultural awareness, simply because, and everyone on this call, not everyone listening, but when you're living on the continental Northern, Northern America, we're an agricultural based society. We have cities that are nowhere near agriculture, but we are still an agricultural society. So we still have farmers producing food in mass amounts to feed the people. And we have exports and imports and all of that, but we have wheat fields and cornfields and America is a very agricultural society. So when you're on this land, And even the indigenous cultures from this land had different agriculture. It wasn't, it wasn't the crops like we see it now, but they were growing and they were having, um, they had more of like forest farms, which are really cool. When you look into them, they were working more with how things grow naturally and a lot more foraging and things like that, but having some awareness to what is growing, who is growing it, how it grows. My favorite story was the first time that Jared saw how a Brussels sprout grows. It was miraculous. Little desert boy had never seen Brussels on a sprout. And I was like, why do you think they call them Brussels sprouts, right? Like he thought they just grew like little cabbages or something. And I don't know if everyone knows. I'm like, you thought there were like millions of little cabbages, like you get... (laughs) like Brussels sprouts in a bag. So for those that don't know, the sprout is the stock. It sprouts really big. And then there's a bunch of them on the stock. So that was a huge moment for me where I was like, Oh, people outside of the Midwest, maybe don't know how things grow or that aren't like ever on a farm. You might not know how, what your food looks like. That's a huge part of knowing what you eat and you don't have to go to a farm. You can look that up online. Right? So Um, kind of just getting in touch with what are you eating and do you know where it comes from Um, and get kind of familiar with it. You pick what you can. Um, That's a popular thing with farms. Visit the farm shop as local and fresh as possible, even if it's not daily because there's so much privilege in that. Right. So obviously we live where we live and we can go to any farm any day of the week. But even if it's just like in Tucson, for instance, we mainly, we shopped local and fresh at our farmer's markets when they were in season. And when it was out of season, out of growing season, um, we would just do it for feast days. So even if it's just part of your spiritual practice, right? Or you, you make sure that your big feast includes a lot of locally grown stuff. Um, This is the Celtic wheel of the year. This is, made up, right? So <laughs> I always like to say that because this isn't like something that was like on a cave wall anywhere, right? The wheel of the year concept, most Nordic, and I'm going to show you on the next slide, but I'm not going to move past this one yet. Like when you look into a lot of the Nordic um, cultures the, and, and the Celtic and Germanic, all the Eastern European cultures, all really base life off of the equinoxes and the solstice, right? So the solstice and equinox cut the year into four, the middle points between those two are, our festival dates in most cultures. Remember, because of, you know, the Southern hemisphere being opposite of us, it's not always the same. So you have to take that into awareness. So when you're looking at, um, you know australia and different parts of the world their festivals that are going to be their first harvest are going to be in winter for us right and so the dates aren't always the same but the pattern is the same in every culture from all over asia india africa all the whole world has this rhythm this circular rhythm where they're marking because everyone was going by the sun and the moon Right. So everyone was keeping track and how we now have leap years of the Nordic culture had, they, they had a lunar calendar. And then once every four years, they had a four day festival in the middle of the year outside of their calendar, right. Instead of the way we do it. So there's, there's all these different ways that people throughout history, like the more ancient you go, um, aligned themselves with the seasons but this was the lived experience of humanity and so if you can bring it back to being that it kind of takes all of the weirdness out of it so now we have three four five thousand years of astrology that we can add to it and so then we can put that on the cross quarter days because quarter days are going to tell us when things are zero degree cardinal sign right everyone remember that from astrology and so when we move into Aries, it's the spring equinox. When we move into summer, it goes into Gemini, right? Like we're, we're moving through like that. So this is kind of how it looks for us here in the Northern hemisphere and in the United States for sure. And these are all Celtic ish celebrations. Um, This is what the more Nordic calendar looked like. And, I had one that was really funny because it had no English. I'm like, well, that's not useful at all. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of, it shows you here, even though it's not necessarily going to be the same every year, they were using the lunar calendar and it still does fall in the same sort of pattern. So this is a list. I'm not going to read it to you guys. I can provide this slide to anyone who wants it. I was searching on Pixabay for a picture of, Scottish fire dancers and this is my friend Michelle my silver in in doTERRA uh it came up on my search I'm like oh because every year in Tucson there's a big uh, Scottish Highland games where they recreate the Highland games in Tucson and it's hilarious because it's in winter in Tucson so it's a little frigid but um it's amazing. And people come from all over the country actually. And there's huge traditional fire dance done. And so um, it always made me feel like it fed my little Celtic heart. I think when we lived in Arizona, like connected me to that cycle. But when you look at all of these different, these are currently celebrated. The only one that's kind of not celebrated anymore is the one in Albania because it was part of the It was demanded to be celebrated when it was communist controlled, which is more probably nerd talk than anyone needs in their life. But, but all of these are current incarnations. And so you can find more ancient connections to them, but these are currently celebrated in their respective countries. So like Munasa became llamas and that's in London and England. And it's part of now, um, christianity and catholicism where you bake bread and bring it to the church to be blessed and you brought your first wheat harvest to the church to be blessed um and when you look into all these cultures so many similarities so many and from areas that totally had no communication with each other for a very long time and that's one thing to i wanted to just kind of show it that in some places like in wales um They've held on to a tradition since, you know, King Edward, the first was, was King and he would allow one day out of the year for people to beekeepers, to bring their honey and sell it tax-free. They celebrate it still the same way that they always did. So some places hung on to things really tightly and some didn't, but this kind of shows that harvest is a very, very big deal. And these are only harvest festivals that take place either between um, August and October or the equivalent of the sou- Southern hemisphere. Right. So that first kind of grain harvest, there's many more harvest festivals than this, just these, but these are the top ones from around the, from around the world. One thing to note, the mid autumn festival can be called the moon festival. Um, when we lived in California, we lived very close to Chinatown there and we're super blessed to celebrate Chinese new year and the moon festival with, um, actual Chinese people, which sounds really funny to say, but in their culture, not like an American version of it. And the moon festival was probably one of the most magical things I've ever experienced in real life. It became a dream of mine to go to China during Moon festival. Like one day, if you haven't ever researched it, that's one that I feel like everyone should know about. It's big. It's a big deal in, in China and Taiwan and Singapore and Vietnam. It's like second only to the Chinese New Year, and if you know Chinese New Year, all of China shuts down for like a week minimum. I don't know if you guys know that. Jared had to go there when he worked at GoPro, and um, he had to fly home the like the he flew home the first day of the Chinese New Year, and he's like it. Everyone disappeared. It was wild. Like the whole country goes to celebrate. So the big thing that we're celebrating right now is fire, which I think is so cool how we have astrology overlaid the seasons and the shifting dynamics of harvest. But this is one of the big fire festival times and it's because of the purification of the sun and Leo is ruled by the sun and Leo rules until end of August. So the whole beginning of August we have these, this big fire element focus. And this has been in our DNA for many, 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 many generations where this would be when we would start having fires and at nighttime, the fires help to continue to forage. As we know, summer's going to be coming to an end. We celebrate all of these big themes about eating, drinking, being merry, because all the fields are full. The berries are fresh we have all of this abundance and it's a huge theme that is celebrated all over the world this time of year. And so you can tap into it, no matter what you're tapping into, whether it's your seasons or astrology or your customs or your traditions, you have to start. This is when everyone starts to incorporate fire. This is when you want to incorporate fire. Um, As you incorporate fire, like what does that mean? What does it look like? You want to And it's always going to be significant within the story of the story. We came through and into summer after a major eclipse season and a Saturn square Uranus. So everything this year is sort of under that blanket. And when you remember, or if you remember that this, that the Saturn, I don't know why I'm so like Midwestern, that the Saturn and the Uranus are going to square off again on Christmas Eve. We are not done with this kind of element of purification or trial by fire. There will be more squeezing. And so this first harvest, it, when you're doing the spiritual work, you want to think what seeds were sown with that spring equinox, what was planted in the fertile soil what did I work on all throughout this summer season? as if it was agricultural, right? You plant the seeds, you tend them, you see them grow. What plants did well, what plants didn't do well, right? And in the real world, real world, we're doing that with our crops this year. Like our tomato plants in our roost out bed are amazing, the ones in the raised bed not doing well. Right. Like we're like, okay, so next year we're not doing any tomatoes and raised beds. And next year we're not doing peppers in the roost out because they're not doing well. And you're you're calibrating. And so that's the same thing with the spiritual work. Okay. So this worked. I did well with this. This was not so awesome for me. And you want to take into account that we have like five retrograde planets and we're about to have a sixth. We're inward. If you're not processing inward, it's gonna process itself right? And I, we're recording, so I don't want to say anything <laughs> like too intense, but we've seen this in my household, right? Things that are not being processed will come up and out. And so you want to look at it with the blessings and the gratitude mindset. You want to look for the purification. Um, and that can be really literal. There's certain beds we have to rip out and we can still get a second round of seeds planted. So think like that. First harvest is not last harvest. This is a totally different celebration than the Harvest Festival of Samhain, right? Because that's like, get it before it's going to go away, right? This is, okay, while it's still ripe, while I've still got time, I've still got another two months of good weather. So what else can I do? What what do I need to make this work? It's got like major, major, um, like how I use the lunar cycle and talk about cleaning out the closet. It's that same phase where you take a look at everything after the purge and you're like, okay, what do I need to make this a complete wardrobe? It's that kind of energy. So what makes a practice? <laughs> this is the thing that, I, and I don't mean to giggle I just think the practice is the thing. It's like with doctors, how they call it a medical practice. And it, you know, you don't like that, but it's the truth. It's all kind of like, trial and error over and over and over again and especially when you are are connecting to the seasons of where you are not holding too tightly to customs if you have a changing landscape we're seeing that with right the pacific northwest for some of you on here hotter than normal drier than normal fires are prevalent you're maybe not going to have a big fire festival right you're maybe you're maybe going to want to conjure up different you know imagery don't hold too tight to this is when we fire or, you know, it culturally that culture, like if we were away from all outside sources, that culture, if that noticed a changing tide, it would wait until the rains came and then have a fire festival, you know, when it was safe, it would shift with the times. And you see where things like that have occurred, where, um, different customs have fallen away as things have moved and shifted. I forget the name of it. It's in Japan and it's after, no, this festival is before the rice planting, but it moves depending on what the weather's like. So it stays a little bit more fluid, right? And, and same in India, when they have finished their planting cycles and the rains have stopped, they have another thing. And so it moves according to the weather. It's not according to a date and it's not according to the sun or the moon it's weather-based. And so honoring where your feet are and what the land you're on is telling you, right. And and not holding too tight to customs just because you think that that's the way you want to do it. Another thing is honoring the customs of your ancestors, however you can, where your feet are in some way. So that might be um, you know, ordering a sprig of wheat if you're so super far from a wheat field from Melissa, or gathering resources, doing an exchange with someone that does live near something, having something on your nature altar altar that reminds you or is something that your ancestors would have done. Um, if you're Celtic, I'm just gonna use that because this is what I know. Celtic base, they would be you know, collecting bilberries, which are sort of like blueberries. So you can get blueberry jam, right. And make yourself bread out of wheat or gluten-free bread, right. We were gluten-free for many years. We would just make the bread and use blueberry jam. There's all sorts of ways that you can honor the customs without being too literal. And especially like when we were in Arizona, the landscape looked nothing like what I was trying to conjure up, but little things hook the connection of energy. And that's what you're trying to remember is that there's so much strength. It's not just honoring the past. It's recalling the strength that's within you. And your path in this life is on the shoulders of all your ancestors. We were brought here for a reason and we're building on what was built before us. But if you know, I don't mean to sound too like the man's going to get us down, but a lot of it's been destroyed by man. And we're here to do something bigger than what, you know, society wants. And so we have to remember and remember why we're doing it. And then integrating your spiritual work with rituals into the lunar solar cycle that can be done anywhere. Right. And even if it's a million degrees still at your house, the autumn equinox still means the light is waning doesn't mean the heat's waning, but it still means the light is waning. And, you know, if we can connect to that and maybe zone out a little bit and think about where the sun is in the constellations and connect to that, because it can feel, I know in Arizona, it felt discouraging sometimes to see online people going to cider mills and it was like 98 degrees, right? The last thing I wanted to do is put on my boots and scarf, and get into the cider. I mean, I did it, but I'm committed, Um, (laughs) which I actually did for photo shoots, but we won't talk about it. So I just want to share, this is the big first fire festival, Lugnasa. If you, it's called Lunasa now, um, because no one knows how to pronounce Gaelic, uh, even people who live in Ireland, right? And so you can just call it Lunasa. It is still celebrated in mostly the same ways um, for my outlander friend. Uh, It's also (laughs) celebrated in Scotland in much the same way it used to be. They've held tight to a lot of their customs, right? And have just continued to integrate them. Where it gets a little loosey-goosey, depending on where in, you know, the region you are, is that it's usually started the full moon nearest to August 1st. And so one of the cool things is that our friend that has the wheat fields, they started harvesting and were like, I got a text, okay, we're harvesting today. It's ready. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. It's just, it's like five, it was like five days before the full moon. Right. So the light was good. And, and it just came to be that that's when it was time to harvest. And so it's usually the full moon nearest to August 1st. So this could have been celebrated back with the full moon that we just had last week. Um, In modern times to kind of make it more um, celebratable, right? It's now on the Sunday nearest to August 1st to 3rd in some regions. Some places it's still celebrated if it's in the middle of the week, but otherwise they'll move it. This is called a cross-quarter day. The quarter days are the equinoxes and solstices. The halfway points between those are called cross-quarter days. And this one's between the summer solstice and the autumnal equinox. This is officially in the spiral in, right, towards the winter solstice. We are moving away from the sun. And when you get into the Celtic culture, um, Lou was... L U G H was the sun God. And this is when traditionally the sun God started to lose the battle. Right. And then the sun God again, fights the Holly God and that's when we have winter solstice and then the sun God wins. And that's why the light returns, right. It's this battling. Um, and so that's often celebrated as well. And so, um, I was joking with Melissa that I was going to turn the wheat into a big loo and set it on fire out by the pond, but I probably won't, uh, depending on what my neighbors think. Uh, (laughs) so some of the things that you want to be thinking about though, are berry picking and bread baking and dancing and storytelling and harvesting and eating bread, eat, drink, be merry. This is the time it's very hobbity right? This is the like sing, dance, tell stories type of festival. It's the second of the four lunar Celtic festivals. So like Beltane was the first one back on May Day. Then we have Lunasa, then uh, Samhain, and then Imbolc. And so if you think about it in the turning of the tides, this is the fire festival before we get real dark and get real like creepy and all of that imagery comes And so one thing to remember is as, you know, I always connect to the spiral, but that's not always me. Right. Um, in Waldorf, it's very common. Anyone who has had kids do Waldorf education, you walk the spiral out on the winter solstice and you walk it in on the summer solstice and you kind of connect to where you are in each moment. This is where we're celebrating exactly where we are. We're not planning our stores for summer. We're not necessarily um, having to act and do because there's a pressing time. This is very, like I said, Hobbit like, or if you think of Thor and Asgard, right? It's very celebratory where the fields are high. The food is good. The, the, the living is easy. And so as much as you can connect to that energy it will pull you back to the awareness of, ah, yes, things are good. And even when you look at that world list, even when they're not celebrating like harvesting of grain, they're still celebrating abundance. And in some different regions, this is traditionally when the rains end and the sun comes back. And so it's global this time of year. And I think that that's cool because we are globally, you know, impacted with Leo and, and ruled by the sun. So I'm going to pause the recording.